In the last session, we looked at the Christian worldview from 30,000 feet. Now I want to show you why the Christian worldview is the only hope for the world. That it is Christ, it's Christ or chaos. It's Christ or chaos. This might be the most hard-hitting of the three talks. This might get in our business a little bit, okay? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. You there? All right. Now the 11 disciples, oh, I'm sorry, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, so this is the resurrected Jesus. Remember, he appears to his disciples. He appears to 50 others. He appears to the apostle Paul. We know that. The resurrected Jesus here, this is what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Question, how much authority does Jesus have according to this passage? Good. What does the text say? What realms does Jesus have authority over? Heaven and earth. Now just to be clear, it does not say that Jesus shares that authority with anyone else. Of course, God is included, but I mean, like, it's not like Jesus, oh yeah, Caesar, you've got your stuff over there that Jesus, he's not Lord over. I don't have authority over that. You're over, you're over that. It doesn't say that Caesar has the authority over the nation and Jesus has authority over the church. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch Calvinist and the prime minister of the Netherlands, famously said, there is not an inch in the whole area of human existence of which Christ, the sovereign of all, does not cry, it is mine. We, we, we saw in Colossians, he's holding all things together. All things are for him. Here in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, the rightful king of every sphere of the universe is who? Man, we better say that with a little bit more gumption. Who? Jesus. Jesus, that's right. Let's turn back to Colossians 2. Let's look at it again there. Whoa, that's the wrong direction. Colossians 2. Fifteen through twenty. Oh, I'm thinking I was one fifteen through twenty. I'm sorry, Colossians one. <clears throat> he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Thro- looks at whether thrones. What are we talking about here? Or dominions? Or rulers? Or authorities? All things were created through him and for him. 
All things were created for Jesus, not just church things. Visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. That means governments, schools, families, businesses, churches. Everything is meant for Jesus. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Look, that in everything he might be preeminent. Preeminent means surpassing all others. Because he is the God-man, he is the preeminent one. He is the king of kings. And what is he doing right now? For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to, look, reconcile to himself. How much, need, how much needs reconciliation in the world? Everything, right? Everything is broken. What is Jesus doing from the throne room of the universe? He's reconciling all things to himself. Making peace by the blood of his cross. We can say it like this. Jesus is king of kings right now. He is the rightful king of the universe and he is the only one who can hold it all together. He is the only one who can reconcile, who can flip the script and heal all of this that's wrong. He's the only one who can reconcile us to God the Father, to each other, to our world and even to ourself. It's either Jesus, or it's chaos. Here's what I'm going to say now. If you put anything else at the center of your worldview, of your life, your business, of your family, of your church, of your city, of your school, it won't hold It, but it's more than just that. It's more than just it's not going to work for you. This is also a religious reality. Whatever you try to put at the center of your life, your family, your business, your school, your church, your city, your state, your national government, if it isn't Jesus, it is an idol. If it isn't Jesus, it's an idol. Now I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to try to simplify all, a lot of this worldview talk. We're going to look at Romans chapter 1. Let's start in verse 16. You guys there? <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now remember, the gospel, that's this, okay? That's all this redemption. That's what God has done to save us in Christ, right? That's the gospel. He said, I'm not ashamed of it. Keep going. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from for faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So God gives us righteousness through faith in his son in the gospel. Verse 18. For the wrath of God 
is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now look at me. I'm just flipping back and forth here. I don't know what I'm doing. We said God is holy. If we have a problem with the wrath of God, then we have a problem with the holiness of God. We have a problem with justice as well. Do not shy away from the wrath of God. God comes down and says, do you want me to make all things new? We say, yes. He's like, all right, I'm going to destroy everything evil. We say, yes. He's like, I'm starting with you. No. That's the problem. Sin is in all of us. The wrath of God is his wrath against evil. It's his wrath against sin. It's his wrath against everything that's broken in the universe. Okay? Don't have a problem with the wrath of God. It's the glory of God shown towards injustice. You want to see, you want a wrathful judge. You want a judge that judges rightly against rapists and wrongdoers. You don't want a judge that goes, oh, go back out there again, buddy. Give her a next try next time. No. You want a judge that is righteous and just. Okay. Who by their, okay. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, see, here we go. Here's this bentness of the fall. Some of that noetic effects of the fall, how it affects the way that we think and desire and want. The unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Takes a lot of effort to suppress the truth. We can do it. Just like you can take a beach ball into a pool and you can suppress that thing. Takes a lot of effort. For a while though, you let go, it comes back up. That's humans, human beings, knowledge of God is like that. I want to sleep with who I want to sleep with, so I'm going to suppress the knowledge of God. I don't want him to, I don't want have anything to do with that. Eventually, pops back up. Why? Because God is reality. And if you're suppressing the truth, you're trying to suppress reality. Keep going. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. What can be known about God is plain to them. Namely, for his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. This is one of the most simple realities of God, of realities of our universe. A child can do this. You go to the Grand Canyon, you look at it, you say, wow, where did this come from, mom? Well, you know, billions of years ago, and then you start mumbling because you, 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 can't, you can't answer the question, right? Because they're like, well, where did that come from? Well, you know, then there was other planets, and there was, well, where did that come from? Well, there was gases, and there, well, where did that come from? Well, I think it was quarks, quarks. Were, okay, where'd that come from, Dad? And this child just asks you the question and you just keep going back and eventually we know there is an uncaused cause somewhere. Is it the universe or is it God? Everyone knows this. You walk in and you see this pew and you do not go, oh, it just appeared. It's a work of happenstance. It just, oh, that had a creator. We know this. Everything has a creator. The Bible just says this is innate in every human. You look at creation, you know there was a creator. 
The unrighteousness in men, the sinfulness of men wants to suppress that reality, namely so we can do what we want to do and have sex with who we want to have sex with. That's what it's basically going to say here. Keep going. And in the things that have been made, so they're without excuse. This is, God's, this is what God says about people. Every person, you're, you are without excuse. You see, you should know that there's a creator. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became, here's that word, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise. Put them on Joe Rogan's podcast. They think they're the smartest guys in the universe and they keep going, talking about, we came from nothing. This is literally some of the smart, Steven Pinker and some of the smartest scientists we have in our society. This is, serious, this is them right here. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. We came from nothing. So something came from nothing. That's what you're telling me. And then that nothing became a person. That's your belief? That's your belief. Out of nothing came something. And then that something, which was inanimate, became a living being. That doesn't make sense at all. Keep reading. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God, look at this, for his images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God says, go ahead. God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because, look, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, they go on to defile their bodies in sexual perversion. Here's what I want us to see. This is what God says about the world. You either worship Jesus or you worship an idol. It is Christ or it's chaos. That's the only options. C.S. Lewis said it like this. There is no neutral ground. I want you to hear this. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. This is the world that we are living in. We have collectively as our society, we have turned away from Jesus and at best we've relegated him to rule the private faith of individuals and churches, but don't you dare take that faith into your workplace. Don't you dare take that faith into your politics. Don't you dare take that faith into your schools. We've banned him from schools. We've banned him from town halls. We've gotten rid of the Ten Commandments out of our uh, courthouses. We've banned him from nearly every segment of society. What does Paul say will be the result of that? What does Paul say is going to be the result of that? Come on. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. You go to the book of Proverbs and what happens to the foolish man? 
And the foolish woman, destruction. Immorality, they get drugged off by the prostitute, they get drugged off by foolish people, they, get, they become evil and wicked and unrighteous and they oppress the poor. That's what foolish people do. We live in a society right now. Listen to this. No, let me just say it like this, guys. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. The world is crazy. The world is crazy. Right now, let me just go through this a little bit. We live in a society right now that says morality is relative to the individual person. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. What's good for you might not be good for me. We communicate through our laws, our TV shows, our movies, our art, that fathers are at best optional, but most of them are patriarchal, toxic men who should feel ashamed for being masculine. We say women can be men and men can be women. We're talking about things like no longer can you say breastfeeding, you should say chest feeding. That's not a mother, it's a birthing person. If you haven't heard this, this is real right now. This is chaos with a capital C. And you, Christian, are not crazy. The world is foolish. They have, they've, their hearts have been darkened and they've been given over to their flesh and that's where things are headed. I could get it. And this is what drives me crazy too. Right now, we all would say we don't like abortion, suicide, depression, you know, everything that's going on in the prison system, all this kind of stuff. And yet, we know, if you don't know this, we know what the problem is. The problem is lack of godly, good fathers. That's the problem. Everyone knows this. Not everyone, but the elites know this. The lack of a real father is the number one cause of poverty, imprisonment, depression, abortion, suicide, and many other ills of our company. And our leaders know this. How do I know our leaders know this? Because there's a book out called The Boy Crisis that talks about this that's going on right now. By the way, women are, I know we, I'm not going to get into this. Women are outperforming men two to one in colleges. 60% of colleges are women, 40% men. They're outperforming men in almost every area of uh, the spectrum, except imprisonment. 93% of, of prisons are made up of men. Okay? So when everybody talks about men are the problem and men are up there you know, doing so much better than women, well, actually, we're killing it in the prison game too. Right? It works both ways. Right? We're the worst of the worst as well. Factor that in the problem. And here's the, this boy crisis who's not a liberal, or he is a liberal, he's not a conservative, I forget his name now, but he writes, and he does all this research, and he says, the, the problem is we, don't, we're, we have a fatherless nation. 70-something percent of the African-American community right now, children are born into single-parent homes, okay? I think it's 40% of, it's either 30 or 40% of the white family are born into 
uh, a single parent home. This is our problem. So what does he do? He goes to Trump and he says, he, he, they bring him before and they say, here's what's going on. Here's some things we can do to fix it. Once they realized the problem was broken homes and bad fathers, Trump said, can't touch it. I can't shine a light on my family and my broken home. He gets voted out. Biden comes in. They get a, they get a, a, a meeting with Biden. He comes in, presents it. Oh, this is all great. This is all great. All of Biden's people say, nope, can't touch it. Why? Because we, are all, we, we want to, to push this progressive ideology that really says men and women are without distinction. And it doesn't matter if you have a husband in the home. It doesn't matter if you have a father. We are, we are pro-women, pro-LGBTQ. We're not going to talk about that. And they just left it on the floor. They know it's the problem, but they won't do anything about it. Why? Their foolish hearts are darkened and they've been handed over to their flesh. It tells us this in 24 and 25. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because, look, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Idolatry always leads to chaos. If Jesus isn't at the center of what we're doing, an idol is. And an idol, or an, an idol isn't the God-man of the universe who's holding all things together. An idol didn't die for you. An idol didn't satisfy, satisfy the wrath of God for you. An idol wasn't crucified before the foundation of the world for you. Only Jesus can redeem and restore this cosmos. Only Jesus can get us where we want to go. So here's the controversial word that most of us have been educated out of. There is no third way. There is no neutral ground. We either worship the Creator and do all that we do for His glory, or we worship an idol. And when that happens, Scripture tells us God gives us up. He says, okay, you want something else as your center? Good luck with that. And so that's what I want to get into this afternoon. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of things. Here's the deal. Every human on this planet could have a different worldview, okay? And so understanding worldview can overwhelm you, and you're getting in there and going, okay, what is this guy's philosophical position, and what are his presuppositions, and, and that can overwhelm you. I want to take all, of, I want to take big picture stuff and bring it down so we can think biblically and we can see things really clear. Look in, let me see soon. Let's go to Romans one twenty six. I just want to, I'm going to read it. When we give up, when we put an idol at the center of our life, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men 
and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Chaos. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree. And look at this, that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give full approval to those who practice them. Idolatry leads to chaos. If Jesus is at the center, an idol is. So, this is what I want to make really simple for us today. You've already seen my circle. We had a good question here. I'm going to write creation. I'm just going to write creation here. And again, this is the closed system. All right, this is the closed system for the worldview. We're going to. Philosopher Peter Jones calls this system one ism. Okay, very easy. We're going to have two options today. We're going to have one-ism or we're going to have two-ism. Okay? One-ism or two-ism. One-ism. I wish I had somewhere to write this down. I'm going to, uh, I don't know if I can do this or not. One-ism says all is one. All is the same. Look, in this, everything is made up of the same stuff. Matter, atoms, spirit, whatever they want to call it, because there's going to be a lot of different philosophical systems. But everything in here is made up of the same stuff. Whether matter, spirit, or a mixture, spirituality is in ourselves and in the world around us. There is no external God. This has also been called homo-cosmology. Cosmology is one. Everything is one. This is naturalism. Everything is cause and effect. Everything is matter bouncing around. That's all it is. This is Hinduism. Everything is spirit. The reality, see, Hinduism has all these different gods, But when they use the word gods, they're not talking about what we're talking about when we say God. Their gods are inside the system. There is not a transcendent God outside of the system. Our system is a twoist system, okay? Twoist system. You have creation and you have God, okay? 
God is transcendent from his creation. He can, he's imminent as well, but he's transcendent from it. There's nothing in creation that is equal to God. The classical, uh, what this used to be called, is paganism. In twoism, the world, creation, is the free work, gracious work, of a personal, transcendent God who creates ex nihilo out of nothing. There is absolutely nothing that is analogous to this in human experience. When we create, we use the materials that he has given us. This worldview, listen, celebrates otherness. Remember, God is other from us. He's different. Distinctiveness. Holiness, remember in, in, in creation, everything there was categories for everything. There was male and there was female. There was light and there was dark. There's good and there's evil. In this, it's all one, man. It's all one. You'll recognize this oneist symbol. Oh man, this is dumb of me to even try to something like this. Remember that. Equal amounts of, what is that thing called, yin-yang? Equal amounts of good and bad. That's a oneness. That's in here. That's in here, right? That's not what the Christian believes. Now listen, this, is, this used to be called paganism. This is also called humanism now. In this system, where does truth come from? Huh? I, I, what? Self. Okay. Truth can come from the self. Where else? Within the system. Okay. So within the system, what kind of different versions of truth can we get? Unlimited. As many different people or cultures want to decide. Right? Whoever wants to stand up in this system and declare themselves to be science. <laughs> I am science. Oh. Oh. Okay, science, right? Or whatever, science, tarot reading, emotional understanding. This is the worldview of Brene Brown and her empathy. This is the worldview of scientific naturalism. This is the worldview of Native American spirituality. This is the worldview of the Greek gods and goddesses. All is one. Nothing transcendent, nothing outside the system. In this system, how do you determine right and wrong? Okay, it's subjective, so, so since it's subjective, what do you do? Whoever's the loudest. I got something going for me, I guess. Whoever's the loudest. Whoever's got the biggest stick. Whoever's got the biggest army. Whoever's got the most followers on Twitter. Whoever's got the mob that's ruling by mob. And it's in it's in a best light, demo, democracy, well, and then democracy can fall in here too. Just the will of the people. Well, if we're all bent, if we're all sinful, where will the will of the people get us in this closed system? Destruction. 
We, that's why they say, the old guys from our founding fathers used to say that democracy will get you the leaders the people deserve. Because bad people elect bad leaders. Where does law come from in this closed system? Majority? Maybe. Could be monarchy too. That could be the king decide one person decides it. Could be a political party decides it. Is there any law outside of the system that you can appeal to? Nothing. So if people inside the system claim they want, I'm going to use a big term here, social justice, what are they talking about? Huh? I can't hear you. Whatever they decide that is. We need to be careful as Christians. Our God is a just and righteous God. We want justice for the poor. We want justice for any for. Any person, we want justice. We need to be careful because they're, they might be appealing to something that, and using words that, oh yeah, justice is in the Bible, and be talking about something totally different. They're defining social justice completely different than the way God would define it. Yes? Yeah, yeah. So, Depends on what you mean by natural law. People can fumble their way into some form of truth. They can, fu- like we know that, like it's a common grace, right? And so, like right now, most of our society is living in this, but we still have a fairly just system. Well, we're fairly just because it was founded in this type of system and we had biblical laws that we used to create this system. So it's still functioning pretty well. So yes, some places, are, it, it can't happen. And obviously, obviously, places like China, like, okay, I'm a bit nerd out here. This system created science. Why? Because there's natural law. There's a something outside the system that we know we, we can tap into, but it's bigger than us. So this, cre- this system created science. Science still runs over here, but it's trying to divorce God from it. Guess what? Science has never developed in this system. This is the Eastern system. Only the Western worldview. This is a Western worldview. The West created science. Okay? It's, it's, why? Because in this system, you go with the flow of the world. It just is what it is. Everything is one. You don't try to possess it. You don't try to control it. You don't try to shape it. It's just all one. Okay? Science developed in this system. Right? And then, so what did the East do? Well, the East saw us create science and go, oh, that works good. We need that. So they imported something that was developed here into their, so now there's all kind of science in the East and, and they kick our butts at most of it now, right? So is it possible for this system to basically accidentally get it right? Yes, but it won't be, it won't be consistent. It's gonna be hit or miss, Right? It's going to be hit or miss, right? Like right now in our system, we, we're, we're all about justice, right? We're all about justice and we're wanting racial justice and we're wanting all this stuff while we're still murdering millions of babies. 
and calling it a right, a human right. That just doesn't even make sense. It's just foolishness. It degrades, for sure. Yes. So in this system is that law of entropy that when left alone, everything will degrade, everything will decline, everything will go towards chaos, right? And so that's why we need to be reformed and always reforming, coming back to the word of God and getting our worldview in check and getting our laws better. Okay, here, where do you find the meaning of life? It's the circle of life, right? It's, that's symbol. That's what they saying in there. It's just all a circle here, man. You, what are you living for? To die for nothing? You're living for materialism? You're living for what? Inside the system. Everything is based inside the system. Came from nowhere. Life is meaningless. Going nowhere. So here's the deal. This is what I want you to see. In, and this is what's interesting, guys. We have the truth in Christianity. Every other single worldview is in this system. Every other one is in this system. Christianity is the only one here. Now, there's two religions that will claim to be here. Islam and Judaism. Judaism-ish. We, we, we were like, ah, all right, well, you're the first two chapters of our story, so Maybe. Okay, but they don't, really have a, they don't really have a Trinitarian God. They don't have a clear understanding of a Trinitarian God, which is a, a real person. How can, it, how can a, just, a mon, just a God with one person be love? How could that God, right? No, we have a Trinitarian God, okay? So some guys say that they would even fall into here. And Islam, Islam falls into here, even though they claim to be this, they fall into here because they believe Allah is all. Everything that happens is the absolute will of Allah. The will of Allah is one. Everything, you, everything, uh, uh, everything that happens, happens because Allah made it happen. There is no personhood. There is no distinction. Allah is all. Allah is one. That's what they believe. So every other religion, every other philosophy of life is over here. Christian, this is the only one that has distinction. Now, if all is one, what? Well, yes, sir. Yeah, Muhammad is just a prophet. Muhammad is just a prophet. That's it. He's just pointing towards Allah. So he's still here. He's he's functioning as. Allah's doing what Allah's making him do what he's doing. He's just a, he's just a part of the system. He's not divine. And even if he was, even if he did claim to be divine, you can be in the system and claim to be divine as long as you're inside the system. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, in this system, everything is self-referential. I'm pointing at some piece of creation and that's where I'm getting everything. It's all coming from inside, all right? That means there is no universal standard of justice. There is no universal standard of truth. There is no universal standard of morality. There is no universal standard of this is what you're for. There is no instruction manual on life. 
There is nothing above it or outside of the system to appeal to when we have a disagreement. In this system, listen, in oneism, anything is permissible. Hitler knew this. Hitler knew this. I think killing Jews is good. Hitler knew it. And who, the West, the West, you've divorced yourself from the God. Who are you to tell me that I can't do what I'm doing? Why is your truth any different than my truth? Hitler took science to its logical conclusion. The closed system to its logical conclusion. All right, now intuism, intuism, where does truth come from? How do you define morality? Where does law come from? Hmm. Where do you find meaning in life? Huh? God. The reason I went, hmm, when I said law is because I know most of you, if I asked you if you're under law, are we under law? You'd probably say no. But I just asked you where law comes from and you said God. Hmm. Hmm. You're right, though. We are under law. Law does come from God. <clears throat> we still believe the Ten Commandments, right? We're under law still. We just don't get justified by obeying the law, okay? Everything in this system comes from God. He is holy. He's other. He's transcendent. He's different. He's outside of the system in such a way that we would not clearly know him if he didn't reveal himself to us in his word and in his son. We would all be bumbling around doing this if two things didn't happen. God gave his word to us and God gave his son to us. That's how we know this is real and this is true. Someone from outside the system stepped into, this, into our system. There is, like we said earlier, there is truth in creation but we need the spectacles of the word of God to interpret that truth. Think about just science. If we believe that all of creation is cursed and you take science into a cursed creation, what kind of things would you might find? Like, the world is... So if you're studying something that has been cursed, right? You're not studying what it looked like in the beginning, right? You're not, maybe not even studying what it, what it should look like. You're just studying what is, Right? You might have some faulty conclusions when you're studying that kind of thing. Now, this is, what I want, this is why I, want to, I wanted to bring this up to us. This is a bold claim. It's either this or this. There's no neutral ground. These are the only two worldviews available and they are both totalizing. Oneism always leads to chaos, and Christian twoism leads to human flourishing. Oneism would include ancient forms of paganism, Native Americans, naturalism, nihilism, existentialism, secular humanism, deism, Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age spirituality, spiritual but not religious people, postmodernism and the chicken soup for the American soul, all forms of oneism. 
It's just paganism repackaged. Creation is at the center and every one of these forms of worship and worldview. And you know what's interesting, guys? When you hear all the talk of religious pluralism, it's all these guys. And you know who these guys want to, want to hang out with and want to be plural with? Everybody that's in their circle. You know who doesn't get to, invited to the party? Christians. Tuists. Because we don't worship idols. Right? Oh, well, let's have an ecumenical worship service. Let's have a Muslim and a Hindu and a Buddhist and let's all talk to our collective gods. And Christians go, no, I saw that with the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament. Didn't work out well. I'm not doing that. <laughs> These guys are all up for the party though, every one of them. And they look inclusive, don't they? But who do they not want at the party? They don't want Elijah at the party. They don't want God at the party. They want they're naturalist, whatever one-ism worshipers at the party. This past week, there was a full-page article in the New York Times. Now, this is why I'm bringing this up. I want to just nerd out on secular humanism all day and show you how stupid it is. But I think we've moved past secular humanism. And I think we are in a new pagan world. Everything these days is about getting one with the universe, getting one with your center, going in and finding yourself. Feel what's right. The real you's in there somewhere. Go in and find him or her or it. Let the cat out that's inside that's always been trying to get out. Whatever you find in there, rattle around in the corners of your soul and whatever you find, feed that beast and bring it out in the world. Now, I'm, I, I'm being a little facetious, but everything we watch on television, that's what it is. From yoga to whatever, it's all trying to get one with the universe or one with whatever. So this past week, there was a full-page article in the New York Times on Jennifer Aniston and Uma Thurman's new shaman. A medium, a medium to the stars who claims to channel Yeshua, Jesus. And they were talking about it just resonates with me, man. It just resonates. It just resonates. There's just something in it that just resonates with me. It's all this. It's paganism repackaged. It's, I want a little bit of spirituality, but I don't want a sovereign, holy God to tell me how to live my life. That's it. So the secular humanist who says, not enough evidence. I don't believe in God. And the Jennifer Aniston who wants to hire a shaman to channel some demonic spirit are all right here. The Christian steps out and says, but what if God is real? What if he sent his son? What if we killed him? What if he's resurrected? What if he's sitting in the control room of the universe right now, redeeming and restoring all things? What about that? Well, we don't want to hear about that. This is what we preach. This is why we're hated. I know we've spent a long time, several decades, trying to be the cool kids. Trying to get out of that old Christian cheesy music and all that old, you know, cheesy version of Christianity. We've tried to be cool and popular and modern and all these different things. But this is the reality 
we have a different worldview than these guys. Totally different. And this is why Jesus says they're going to hate you. They hated me. God showed up in the flesh. And we killed him. What's the story of oneism? Remember we talked about the story? The story, all is one. Humanity is one. Everyone has the divine power within them. If we all unite, we can bring the world to a new level of happiness and peace, a utopian dream. This is Marxism. This is socialism. This is communism. Each religion has a piece of the truth. All roads lead to God. What's important is how that truth resonates with you. What's wrong with the world? Twoism is what's wrong with the world. Judgmentalism. Claims to truth. Black and white thinking. Patriarchy. Those people are the ones who are preventing us from reaching nirvana or utopia. Do you see how there's no neutrality? They claim to be open and into religious pluralism, but they only want to be united with other oneists. It's just as exclusive as Christian twoists. Listen, if you're a Christian and you're scratching your head going, wait, you think children should be allowed to change their gender at the age of six? If you're scratching your head wondering how any sane human being could believe that would be a good thing, it's because they're in this worldview and all is one. There is no distinction. You can be who you want to be. You can do what you want to do. You can have sex with who you want to have sex with. There is no creator. It's your body. There is no defining reality. Remember here? Separations, distinctions, light and day, right? Nothing here. It's all one. It's all one. So what is the solution to the problem in oneism? They always say, oh, we look within ourselves to find power and unifying balance. We become spiritual as we experience the unity of all things and we lose ourselves in the all. We become one with the universe. Twoism says there are two kinds of reality, God and creation. God is eternal, triune, personal, loving, awesome, and he made everything that exists. Humanity is two. There are two kinds of people in the world, those who love God and those who hate God. There is no neutral ground. Religions are two. We either worship God or we worship something within creation. Everyone worships something. The problem, we reject God's authority and his definition of the world and who we are. We don't live by his laws and we refuse his solution to our rebellion. Jesus, his son. The solution, if we look to God in repentance and accept Jesus' sacrifice for us, we discover the deep love of God, the grace of God. The God who is our father. By the power of his spirit as he gives it to us, we get a brand new identity that comes from his son. We don't get lost in the one. We still become ourself and yet we know the perfect love of God and we go in to inhabit a totally renewed cosmos. So all of these things come from twoism, comes from the Christian worldview and not from oneism. So, Thoughts, questions, yes, sir. Yeah. Right. So deism was the first step towards modernism. It was the first step. 
divorcing this, okay? Because we don't want a personal God that tells us how to live our life, but clearly there was a creator. The idea of deism is a divine watchmaker, okay? Somebody who created something, wound it up, and let it go, okay? But what it's really being, all it's doing, it's completely operating from inside the system. So inside the system, it goes, oh, clearly, you know, cause and effect. Clearly, something has to come from something else. So clearly, there's a God, but the God is completely within the system. It's not transcendent. It doesn't have, so in other words, you can't discover anything about deism from outside the system. So what, what are you going to know? You're going to know he's a creator. You're gonna, that's all you're really going to know. You're not going to know, you know, you're not going to know the Ten Commandments from that God. You're not going to know that he's personal. You're not going to know anything. It's just, it's just the God of kind of rationalism, right? So it's still within, it's we're studying creation and we're seeing what we can see and okay, deism, but there is no salvation, right? So it's all within the, it's all within the system. It is, it's not... You know, it's not, I had the same question. When I'm reading, when I'm studying, I had the same question. Well, that seems like a different, and same with Islam, same with Muslim, right? At first, I was like, deism, Muslim, uh, Islam, and, Jew, and Jews must be over here. And then I read a little bit more, and they're like, no, actually, they're in here. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, but it's almost like, it's almost, deism is almost like pantheism. Deism is almost like just, like, like the world is God, like science is God, but we know that some, uh, something had to start this thing. So it's, it's not this. It's not a personal transcendent God outside of the system. Yeah. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, great question. So she, so she said, I posited that I think we've moved into this new paganism, even out of kind of secular humanism. We're still going to have all, a bunch of people operating with all different worldviews in here. I think we've moved into this new paganism, which is just a return to the old. How are we to live distinctly Christian lives in this system? That is a great question, and it's got a very easy answer. Guess what all these cultures in this Bible, all of the cultures in this Bible, other than Christianity, were written into pagan cultures. This is why with the Canaanites, and the, you, couldn't, you couldn't intermarry, you couldn't do all these things. The Roman, the Roman imperial cult of the New Testament, most of in, in the New Testament was written into. What did Caesar say? I don't care if you have any gods as long as you worship me. All were in the system. You can worship Jesus. I don't care as long as you worship me. But the Christians said what? Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. That's what got the Christians killed. We don't work in this system. I don't want a seat at the table. I don't want to be another pagan at the paganist table. No, no, no. We have a totally different system. We know. We know who God is. We know who's the king of the universe. So what it's going to mean for us is not trying to be some of the cool kids. And being willing to be distinct and say, we have the truth. We're at Romans 1 again, man. We're at Romans 1 again. We're right back at the same table, I feel like. And so we get to, so in my mind, we rebuild, we renew, we restore, we pray God for revival, pray God for reformation, and we go right back to the way they did it in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
right? Sharing our faith, being unwilling to compromise. Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Jesus is Lord, not our president, not our whoever's in office. You know, whatever. So that's, so living distinctly Christian lives the way God's called us to, being hospitable to our neighbors, inviting them over, living missional lives, all of those things, sharing the gospel, sharing the only true story that will bring hope and human flourishing to our world. Yes, sir. Yeah, so it depends on, I mean, it depends on what you mean by capitalism and, and what you mean by that, like the crony capitalism that we've got going on today that the, the, the big guys can, you know, have lobbyists and it's all corrupt and all that stuff. Of course, that's, that's this godless system. But if you're talking about a market that is free, right, that is determined by basically the, 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 uh, the needs in the, in, inside the system, but, so here's the, you could have, like, if you go to the Old Testament and you look, you see not a capitalist system, but you see a free market, right? You see Christians who are called by God to, to use their money in a specific way, and they use it for human flourishing, they use it to support their family, for industry, to expand their barns and do all the things, but what are they also commanded to do? Share it. They're commanded to be generous. They're commanded to give back to their, their temple, their church. They were given like 25 to 30% back they couldn't glean the edges of their field. But here's the pr- principle. All of those things, God was the king over the hearts of people. The people were giving freely. Socialism puts a group of people and then demands everybody to give up their stuff. Socialism is anti-Christian and anti-Jewish because it doesn't even believe in communism, doesn't believe in personal property. One of our commandments is thou shalt not steal. That goes for the government too. It goes for anybody. Right? So that's why that system, that's why I said that system works within the, with, within the system. Right? There, you could say, there are, we know we have, Christians have a social impulse to help the poor. That's different than a government without a, without a standard making people do something. Right? Which essentially does become taking Robin Hood, taking from the rich, is that him? Yeah, and giving to the poor. Right? That's completely different than what the Bible talks about. Any other questions, thoughts, concerns? Yes, sir. Mm. Well, kind of. The, it, the, love your neighbors yourself. That's actually in the Old Testament as well, a couple different places. So it's in the Old Testament law as well. So I think the, the, my problem with the with Judaism over here, it's because the God of Judaism, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm iffy on that one still. I'm iffy on it, all right? Peter, Peter Jones, who came up with this, and he's way smarter than I am, he puts him over here. I'm like, Ugh, man, because I, I still see a personal God. I still see a God that, God of our fathers, right? I see God come and make covenant. And they basically have our story. They just don't have our Savior, they're still looking for the Messiah. We know the Messiah's already come. So, I, I don't know, man. I'm just saying, I don't know. I, I would put them here. I still, think, I still think they have this transcendent system. They understand that law comes outside of the system. Law comes from God. And so I still think they're here. Jones, less charitable, he puts them over there. So, yes, sir. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a great point. So, because the Jewish story, they believe it's, they don't believe it's going to be um, 
They, didn't, they, they had no concept that God could become man, right? That God could actually become man. They thought the Messiah was going to be another David who sets up the kingdom on this earth, who comes from within the story. So I, I, I think that's good. I, they don't have a, that might be it. The, the doctrine of the Trinity might be the one thing that puts them over here, right? That might be the thing. So, because they don't have it. We know they do. If you read the New Testament, or if you, if you let the New Testament inter, help us interpret the Old Testament, we see, we see all three in the beginning. So, any other questions? Yes, sir. If I had to boil these two systems down to one or two words, what would they be? I'd probably use like uh, one-ism and two-ism. <laughs> now listen, I'm not using hierarchy because you can have hierarchies in here. Uh, so even like you get into like, oh man, Jungian psychology, you get into, um, what's the guy's name? I forget his name. But then he talks about there's, you know, there's hierarchies in all kind of evolution. There's, hi- there's hierarchies inside the system too. So there's people in here that hate hierarchies and the patriarchies and all these different things. The only one that's good is the matriarchy, I guess. But they hate all these in here. But they're, they're all critiquing it from in, when, inside the system. So it's, well, your truth is, my, you know, whatever. Um, here, it's holiness. That, was, that would be the other word, holiness. Nothing is holy here. All is one. This is holy, Right? And this was good, and now it's fallen. And one day it will be holy again, right? So holy, understanding holiness, that might be the thing. So in this, remember, this was called homo cosmology. Everything is one, so all is permissible. All flesh is permissible. This is a hetero cosmology. So there's duality built into it, right? So gender matters. All these distinctions matter in twoism. It's a good question. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you do that in a gracious way? Yeah. Well, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of, first off, my first goal is reality. That's my first goal. We've all seen American Idol, right? And those people that make it onto American Idol, that you're like, you had no true friends. You didn't have one friend that go, bro, you suck. You are terrible. Do not. So what do their friends do? Oh, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. And they go before millions of people, and they perform, and it's absolutely horrible, and they're never going to live it down. Christians aren't that type of friends. We, we, we work in reality. And so if someone is about to crash their life into a wall, we want to stop them. We want to say something to them. So... The best way to do this with your friends or whoever is ask questions. Listen, we see the system. It goes nowhere. Why, are, why, are depre- why is depression and suicide at the highest rates in our society it's ever been? Because this is the system. This is what you get. There is no meaning in the system. Right? And so asking questions, how's it going for you? What are your thoughts about life? What are your thoughts about the afterlife? What are your thoughts about church? And then when they, when they bring up, um, Tim Keller has a great thing that he talks a lot about. People, he sometimes says this question, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And they'll say something like, he's mean, he's vindictive, he's distant. He's like, oh, I don't believe in that God either. But let me tell you about the real God. And then we flip the page over and we tell him about our God. 
right? Our God is not the God of Islam. Now, some people ask me this. Okay, if this is true, Justin, and we could get our way in the world and our society was actually like this and was actually Christian, would this just be like Sharia law? No. Christianity believes in the freedom of the conscience. We don't convert anyone by the sword. Well, you did it in the past. Kings did it in the past for ulterior motives most of the time, right? Islam believes you can convert at the edge of a gun or at the edge of a knife. We convert through persuasion, right? That's how we bring conversion. So we're wanting to, there's always a couple things. We're wanting to show them that your worldview just doesn't work. It doesn't work with reality. It's not good. It doesn't bring about human flourishing. And God is the answer. Yes, sir. Actually, I'm sorry. Jake had a question first. I'm sorry. Yes. That's it, brother. Okay, so the only reason, that, that's the same thing with science. The only reason this makes sense, think about it. The only reason this makes sense is it because it came from an intelligent creator. Right? If you, fi- you walk in and you see a Play-Doh mold of a giraffe on your table, you do not go, this appeared out of nowhere. You know someone with an intelligence created it, right? And, that, and this God has certain character, nature, and qualities. And so when he creates, he's going to leave his fingerprints. His laws are going to, you're going to be able to de- detect his laws from inside the system, some of them. But the reason I balked is, and this is a big debate, Catholics believe in natural law. And this was Thomas Aquinas basically swallowed, swallowed modernism or at least a Greek dual, dualistic way of thinking and he thought that he could kind of figure, he could prove God from inside the system. And so he came up with this natural law. It's brilliant. Many Catholics believe it. I don't. And I'm not convinced by it and I don't think it's very convincing at all. So, uh, I don't like, I like common grace. I, I do talk about there is some kind of natural law, but I don't think you can prove from inside the system a personal God, you know, yeah. <clears throat> that Thomas would, would, would claim he could. Yes, sir. Yeah, it, okay. This is a huge question. This is a huge question right now, and it's, it's going on kind of across our society and church-wide, the question was, do we believe in religious pluralism? And, and, and he said Tim Keller was a proponent of religious pluralism. And it, it, the, the answer would be, depends on what you mean by that. Because if we believe, if we're saying religious pluralism is all religions are equal and valid ways to find truth, no. You can't even build a society on that. All is one. I can kill my baby if I want to kill my baby. We say no. God says life begins at conception and that is another person. You, that is not your body. We, we have a transcendent God who tells us no. You're in the system says yes. How do we create a law? Right? So in that form of religious pluralism, I say no. I say that's idolatry. You can't. We want to begin with this. We want to begin with this. Now in this system... Christianity would not legislate religion, worship, private worship, right? We're not going to bend your arm and make you worship Jesus. You can go wherever. But we're, we would have a Christian 
world, Christian society, right? So it just depends on what, you, what exactly they mean by that, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Oh, boy. <clears throat> okay. Do I believe that personality exams that have their roots in paganism uh, pose a problem for the, the Christian? Okay. Anything that's created in this system potentially could have things that are good because they are based in creation, things that are bad because they're, they're fallen or idolatrous, right? And so what we want to do is we want to accept the good, reject the bad, and redeem the broken. That's how we interact with culture, okay? So when it comes to personality tests and that kind of thing, the Enneagram, those kind of, those, those kind of things that some people could be potentially concerned about, I would say we should, we, could, uh, we should evaluate them on those terms. Accept what's good, reject what's bad, and redeem what's potentially broken, and never make an idol out of them. How do you make an idol out of them? Well, I'm an eight. Don't worry about it. You know, that's an Enneagram, right? Like, I'm an eight. Get used to it. Right? No, that's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you have to develop gentleness, Mr. Eight. What'd you say? <laughs> I heard they're bad people. That's what I heard. No, I am an eight, yes. <clears throat> so, so, yeah, we have to be, any culture that we receive, that's what we have to do. Has to go through that filter. Receive the good, reject the, and it, how do we know it's good? In line with, in line with the word of God. Yes, sir. Oh. Mm. Okay. Black Lives Matter. Let's start with an easy one. Black Lives Matter. The statement. Every single human being has been made in the image of God, right? Every single life matters. Black lives matter. Black babies in the womb matter. Babies in the womb matter. Every life matters. Okay? We accept that. Right? Christian truth. Okay? Then we get into cultural Marxism. The idea that there are only two types of people. There is those in power and those without power. Those are I'm not going to get into all of it, but whatever. And somehow you have virtue by being oppressed, okay? And oppressed can mean all different kind of things. The Bible rejects that. There is no value in being oppressed, okay? There is no cultural currency in being oppressed. Some people are oppressed because they're under the judgment of God. God, God, that's literally what, when you're giving people over to Satan, you're under the oppression of Satan. You're under the, his oppression. So just being oppressed does not mean that you are virtuous, okay? It might be a judgment that you had earned from God, from being foolish, from the repercussions of sin. We've already talked about the curse of fatherlessness in our culture. That creates oppression. That creates all kinds of problems, right? And so, the worldview of the cultural Marxist that just looks and goes, oh, 
That's a bad thing. We must elevate them and we must yank these people down. That is a, that's a Marxist ideology that all it does is it takes the oppressed and the oppressor forever and just does this with them. Back and forth. Now, it's different groups of people, you know. It's a proletariat, proletariat and, the, and the bourgeois, that's who it was before, and now it can be black and white, and now it's gay and straight, and now it's transgender and gendered, and, now, and it just never stops. It's a system that never stops. Okay? So we can full-on reject that. We can full-on reject that. Okay? Now, in that system, um, yeah, and just look what happens. You see that system, Black Lives Matter, right? And then it starts, it start, what happens? Riots, chaos in the streets, defund the police. You see how it just spins off into chaos, right? Because it has no standard from outside of itself to appeal to. When you're claiming justice, what do you even mean? What do you even mean when you're, when you're wanting justice? Christians go back to scripture and we, we have clear examples of what is just. We have laws in the scripture that show us what is just. Just. So that's one easy example where you, you take what is good and you want to fight for what is good and, you, and the Bible has, calls it the sin of partiality, right? But then you can't, you can't, you have to reject that, that Marxist ideology outright. You have to reject that. Because that doesn't bring healing. And, it, and look at our culture right now. I mean, it's, they say right now we're more divided than any time since the, the uh, Civil War. And it's because we just have that kind of, we have that thing going on right now. So that's one way, right? There is no redemption in Marxism. Marx saw socialism as an inevitable middle ground between capitalism and um, communism. So that's, the, that's where that thing is going. That's why the Black Lives Matter organization is socialist and anti-patriarchy. They want to destroy the, the modern, or the, the nuclear family. They want to destroy the nuclear family because they believe it is oppressing, marginalizing women, and it's marginalizing homosexuals, and it's marginalizing people. And in order to change the society, they've got to change the family. There's a lots of things. So, so the, the question is, what is something we could do? More than just affirming the statement Black Lives Matter, what is something that we could do to help bring renewal and restoration? to this issue. Well, first thing we have to do is preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, which says there's no dividing wall. A dividing wall of hostility between human beings has been completely destroyed in Ephesians. There's one man in Christ Jesus. Biblically speaking, race ain't a thing. We all came from one couple, guys, and after that, another couple, Noah. We all came from them. So biblically speaking, race is not a thing. That's a cultural construct from inside the system that we've created. And it's, we did some really bad stuff with it. Really bad stuff with it. So we can, so we have to preach the gospel, right? And then it depends on what God's called us to do. But I already told you, one of the biggest problems in our society right now is fatherlessness. Fatherlessness. That's what makes this problem seem so insurmountable because of the amount of children that are being birthed out of wedlock, having no stable home, having no moral right and wrong, no religious upbringing, and just handed over to a government school, and, the, and this government school is basically raising them, many times feeding them, clothing them, educating them, and then whatever happens. So 
So I know there's, there's many people that have felt they cross-cultural adoption is, a, is, a, is something that they, they've been doing. Um, multiracial adoption, that's, some, that's one way of pushing back darkness. There's planting churches, planting churches in inner city neighborhoods. That's a huge one. There's creating nonprofits to help people um, transition in, in, uh, in their life. And, and there's things that work with the schools and help educate. There's, I mean, the problem is so big you could almost like just throw a rock and you're going to hit, you know, try to do something good and you're, going to, and you're going to make a positive impact. But we can't think of like, what can I do to solve this problem? <laughs> Pray for Jesus to come back right now. Like, give us wisdom to do what we can do right now in our lane. And uh, yeah, and, and this, man, like, this is the breakdown here. This is, this is, this is what's ha- it's happening because of this. Right? We need to know there's distinctions. We need to know that, that men are responsible to take care of their children. We need responsible people that aren't having sex without... I mean, we think sex outside of wedlock is no big deal, but that's literally what's creating this problem. Right? We're modern. We're like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just, you know, it's like test driving the car before you buy it. It's creating this problem. Yeah. There's lots of other Dave. Yeah, this is so freaking good. Thank you for make, thank you for asking me that. I love that question. I told you to ask it. Oh. <clears throat> we know the story. So what do we do right now? We love our wives. We love our kids. We love our neighbors. We cook good meals to the glory of God. We eat good food to the glory of God. We drink good drink to the glory of God. We smoke good smokes to the glory of God. Cigars, I mean. (laughs) Had to to clarify that. Had to clarify that, right? We feast. We rejoice. We raise good God-honoring kids. We plant churches. We worship God. We do it all with a smile on our face, knowing that Christ is reigning and Christ is coming back. And sometimes... We just laugh at the chaos. Sometimes, don't, we can't do this all the time. Sometimes we just go, what? What? You're a what? You think you what? You can, there's how many genders? <laughs> just laugh. Sometimes we just have to laugh at the crazy. I know that is so rude. I know that is so appalling. I know that is so anti our culture right now. But, man, it's a train wreck. And God doesn't have any problems with it. God doesn't have any problems going, that's, that's chaos. That's chaos. So I think, and, and I don't mean too flippant either, because there is time. There, there's definitely times to weep. There's definitely times to, to, to really weep over the state of our culture and to pray and ask God, you know, to intervene and, and all of that. But, Day in and day out, it's biblical, faith, biblical faithfulness. Studying your word, praying to God, feasting, rejoicing, singing songs to the glory of God, pushing back darkness. Little stuff. Good question. There was another one I saw, raised, hand raised. Anybody else?
Yes, sir. Yeah, if you want to think more about oneism, twoism, Peter Jones has two books. Um, you can just Google those and find them. Uh, one's called The Other Worldview, and the other one might be called Oneism, Twoism. I can't remember. Peter Jones is a good place to start. Um, um, actually, I'm just going to have Ben. Uh, ben. Ben will send you an email because I've got a lot of good stuff. And if you've got questions, I know somebody had some questions about biblical criticism. That's, that's that criti- higher criticism. That was... Uh, where people are coming and they're saying things like the Bible needs to be updated. Listen, all you have to say is, all you have to really know is this. Like, we're talking about God and his words. They're eternal. They don't need to be updated. Like, our sensibilities need to change. Like, what, our presuppositions are off, not, not God's word. But if you want some information and some, some books to read on criticism and how you can trust the Bible, because you can trust the Bible. And listen, criticism is all a big, fat lie. It's all a big, fat lie. There is more proof for the authenticity of the original scriptures than any other book in ancient history. And we all teach like all the other ancient literature books are true. We don't doubt them. We don't criticize them. We don't put, it, we don't put the criticism on them that we put in the Bible. Why do we criticize the Bible? Romans 1. We don't want to submit to him. We don't want him to tell us what to do. That's why. So we've, I've, got, I've got books and stuff on that as well. So, or articles if you want to read. So. Anything else before we go? And we see probably Alabama get beat by Georgia. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you've been... I've been all over you today. Sorry. <laughs> Told you my words are going to go thunk today. Yeah. Yeah. Complex to absurdity. Yeah. Yeah, so you're talking about your, your sister and <clears throat> beliefs are different. I'm repeating this because there's people watching in there. So, uh, and, and she believes differently than you and she's probably into this paganist circle over here and she's very easily offended within, within the system. Um, first off, we know why that is true. Romans 1 tells us why. When you, when you base your worldview on a lie, it's brittle. It's brittle. It's easily breakable. This is why the, the idol worshipers get laughed at so many times in, in the scriptures. They say, what you worship, you become like what you worship. That's what the scripture says. And so if you worship an idol, it's deaf, dumb, stupid. You become deaf, dumb, and stupid. You become like what you worship. And so if you are worshiping a brittle, false idea of reality, you become brittle yourself. And it's very difficult to be in relationship with, it's almost impossible to be in relationship with someone who is always offended. The Bible tells us specifically, do not be easily offended, right? And we have a worldview that can give us a backbone and make us strong and do that. And so you're going to have to walk the balance, that, that, that balancing line of the truth is offensive, the truth is always offensive, reality is, reality just doesn't care, right? Reality just doesn't care because, and so her worldview is always going to be bump, bumping up against reality, and so it's always going to be very fragile. It's like that suppressing the truth thing. And so speak the truth 
in love when you have an opportunity and, and point her to the hope that's found in, in Jesus Christ. And if you're, if you're a two, you probably don't have to worry about being too offensive. You probably, I hate to say it like this, but you probably might have, you, you probably need to be a little courageous. Not, 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 not everybody, but a lot of the times, you're gonna, like, for me in, in relationship, I've gotta dial it back, right? For, for others in, in relationship, you gotta step forward and be courageous and say, man, I think you're so confused right now because you've pushed away from the real God. Something along those lines. And do it with tears in your eyes. Do it with fire in your belly and tears in your eyes. You know, like Jesus wept weeping over Jerusalem. Anything else? Yes, sir? That's a great question. So we're living in this paganist system that is now um, requiring things of us to be employed. Uh, I mean, we've got John Deere headquarters right here, other corporate headquarters that are buying into this oneist ideology that says all is one. So if a person wants to be called whatever gender they want to be called, they have a right for the world to conform to their reality. Okay, this is a, a bizarre thing. We used to think we had to conform to the world, but now we think the world needs to conform to us. How should, what should a Christian do in that one system? How should we behave in that one system? Where should we draw the line? Well, we, again, we have examples for this. You go to read the first three chapters of the book of Daniel. You listen to my, I did a, a, a podcast with Rob and Rob taught on it a few weeks back, the Sacred City Life podcast. You can listen, listen to us work through these three chapters of, of Daniel. Daniel gets brought into this pagan culture. He gets brought into this system, right? And they say, here's what you eat, here's what you drink, here's, what you, here's how you worship, blah, blah, blah. They give him all these different things. He's, he, he, accept, he was old enough, he was mature, so he accepted the education. He accepted some of, I can't remember the other stuff he accepted, but he rejected the food first. He's like, nope, can't eat what you eat. Now, we don't know why he rejected the food, but most, most people believe it had something, he knew if he ate this food, it would violate him. It would make him unclean or something with his God. It was a religious thing for him, this eating. And so he said, nope, I'm not eating it. And it tested. He could have gotten in a lot of trouble. He could have got killed for it, but they, they, let him, they let him go. And he made it into the king's court. Now, this, this is what happened. It was almost like a test. Like Daniel had a line that was drawn way earlier than most people would draw the line. He's like, I won't eat what they tell me to eat. Okay. Then, next chapter, they created an idol. They say, you got to bow down and worship the idol. Or no, the next one is, you can't pray, I think, right? You can't pray, I can't remember. And he's like, nope, not going to follow the king's instructions. Now, the key is, he had already said, no, I'm not doing this. And so when they asked him to bow down to an idol and they asked him not to pray, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm disobeying the civil authority. I'm disobeying the king because I'm staying true to my God, okay? And what did it cost him? It would have costed him his life. They threw him in the lion's den, right? And we see it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the key is we have to think these thoughts that you're thinking and ask these questions and we have to draw the line because we do believe that Jesus is on the throne and our president and our government and our governors and all these different people they, they, and our bosses function under Jesus' authority. And I can't, if, if obedience to them means disobedience to God, I have to dis disobey them. Acts 2 tells us this. I can't obey men and disobey God. I have to obey God. So, the question is, 
our gender pronouns that line? For me, yes, they would be. Because I would be denying reality. I would be denying my God who made distinctions in all things. And I would be, it would be just the same illustration that I would be doing with the person that was going on American Idol that was horrible. I would be affirming something in them that is a lie and is not of God. For me, I couldn't do it. Going to a homosexual wedding, line. Going to a wedding is celebrating something God calls sin. Can't do it. Can't do it. When, when they send you an invitation, it literally says, we welcome you to the celebration of this. Can't do it. So what does that mean? That means Christians aren't just going to have to read about persecution. We're going to be persecuted. We might lose our job. And then guess what? Go start a new company. First talk of the day. Go start a new institution. Go start a new school. Go start a new business. Make a better one. Did I answer your question? Okay. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. So, you can legally change your name to whatever you want. So if Stephen has changed her name, his name to Stephanie, I will call him Stephanie. I don't care what he calls him. I don't care his name. But gender is a God-given reality. Right? Yeah. So, I, so, it, so that's, that's one way you can kind of skirt around it maybe. Get really good at just calling a person by their name, you know, and not using those gender pronouns. Yeah. Yes, sir. Vaccination mandate? Vaccination, vaccination mandate? Um, God has given the, the king certain authorities. God has given the governing authorities certain authorities. And um, our bodies belong to God. When Jesus literally said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God, Caesar's coin had his image on it. What has God's image on it? Our body. What does our body belong to? God, right? Now, I'm not a pro- I, I don't have a problem necessarily with vaccines and all these things, but I do have a problem biblically with vaccine mandates, any kind of mandates, when it, when it comes to something to do with our body like that. So, now, it, again, if, if we're talking about the bubonic plague or the black plague or something, like, we could see how that would be, wis- that, that could be wisdom, but that's not what we're talking about. So, so yeah, that is a dangerous, again, biblical worldview. You go back, you look at governments in the scriptures. The bigger they get, the badder they get. All right, they become Babylon, and then God destroys them. I've been talking a lot. Can I pray for us? All right. Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful. Oh, man, it's so relevant. It's so good. It's so eternal. It's so timeless. And we need it more than ever. Thank you for this time today. I thank you for all these students and how they've invested. I thank you for the great questions they've asked, the hard thinking they've done. I pray that they could go out of here today more confident in their worldview, more confident in the understanding of Christianity and and how it is the only hope of the world. I pray that you would encourage them to stand strong and be courageous in the midst of a pagan culture that doesn't want to hear their message and really doesn't want them to have a seat at their table. I pray that you would help us build Christian institutions, most importantly, the family. Would you pour out a blessing on this people and help them as they leave here today? In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you, guys.